0: Alright, this is, this is the, uh, if this burns down, don't worry. It doesn't mean that our, our hope is gone. Uh, we'll replace it next Sunday so that it, uh, we're not in trouble. Uh, this is the Advent Sunday that we talk about joy. And uh, as Gerald already read, this candle is often known as the shepherd's candle because it reflects the joy that the shepherds felt at Jesus' arrival. And as he said, also the joy that we feel uh, at receiving salvation that he's gifted to us. And the shepherds, of course, rejoiced in the middle of the night in the darkest time. Uh, They encountered angels singing about joy and encouraging them to rejoice. And a side note, this isn't the way things are done. You don't announce the arrival of a king to the most marginalized people that are considered liars. And, you know, God doesn't follow our rules. He does not follow our rules. Newsflash. So shepherds, marginalized people, unwelcome, they get the announcement, and they go, and they see the babe, and they rejoice. And as Carl already read, and thank you for noting that, that Paul writes this from prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And why? Because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, not for every situation, in every situation, you're still able by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present your request to God, and the peace of God will transcend our understanding. And then he guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Beautiful picture. Uh, obviously, Paul's chains and his condition did not prevent him from focusing on Christ and the joy that he had despite his circumstances. And it reminds me of the time that Paul and Silas were in prison. They'd been beaten badly, they were in the stocks in the deepest part of the prison, and they were crying about this injustice. No, they were singing praises to God. How do you do that? Well, because they obviously were living beyond their circumstances. This week we celebrate joy of Christ coming to earth. And yes, during a time when depression and anxiety are at an all-time high and people seem to be in the most despair, this candle offers a bright light during this dark time. Well, it, we would have to define joy. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stab at it. Being in a good mood is really great. Most languages have a lot of words to describe that experience, like happy, cheerful, joyful, and so on. Uh, The same goes for the languages in the Bible. Depending on the translation, the word joy appears more than 100 times in Scripture. More than 100 times. In ancient uh, Hebrew and in the Greek New Testament, there are also many words that have different nuances, but they all basically refer to feelings of joy and happiness. But what makes those biblical words for joy interesting is noting the kinds of things that bring happiness and also seeing how joy is a key theme in Scripture. Uh, Before we dive into numerous verses that talk about joy, we have to establish an understanding of biblical joy. And I need to say that it goes far beyond momentary happiness. Joel might say, I'm happy about the nachos I'm going to have for lunch. Fair enough. Or happiness like a, the happiness that a child might experience when they unwrap a gift that they'd hoped for on Christmas Day. Like those socks from Grandma, the fifth year running. Or the joy that a wedding or, or children can bring. Joy is an extreme happiness that cannot be destroyed by present circumstances. Okay, let me repeat that. Joy is an extreme happiness that cannot be destroyed by present circumstances. I think Paul in Philippians bears that out. This type of joy comes from God alone. And yeah, we know that human history hasn't really been a joy fest. In fact, today, there are wars and, and, and problems all over our globe. And there seems to be an absence of joy in so many places. The biblical story shows us, that we live in a world that's corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked with death and loss. And that's exactly where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. Because joy is an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and His promises. That's where our joy is rooted in God's faithfulness and His promises. For us. Actually, I believe, I, I know there are separate candles and all that, but I think that hope, peace, and joy are actually linked. I don't know that you can separate them. I think they, they belong together, and if you have one, I'm guessing that you have the others as well. Remember the children of Israel when they were suffering from slavery in Egypt, and God raised up Moses to lead them out of, out of uh, slavery into freedom, and the first thing that they did was to sing for joy even though they were in the middle of a desert. They were vulnerable, and the promised land was still far away, and they rejoiced anyway. They were singing about God's faithfulness and recognizing that despite their present circumstances, God would always come through. And later biblical poets look back on this story, and they remembered how God caused his people to leave with joy his chosen ones with shouts of joy. So, so the joy is coming, it's bubbling over. It's not just a faked smile uh, or an attempt to be happy. That joy in the wilderness was a defining moment. A way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but their, by their future destiny. And you and I, no matter, as we've talked about, no matter what your heart is, uh, your future destiny is secure in Christ. And you and I have this amazing hope that we cling to. While the Israelites waited, they chose joy in anticipation of their future redemption. So we choose joy. So what does scripture say about joy? In Romans 15, 13, Paul says that God fills us with joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. As you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So joy comes from God in the first place. We ask Him to fill us with His joy. In Galatians 5:22, Paul talks about joy as being one of the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know because and I can't check with Paul, but I I suspect that this wasn't actually meant to be a closed list. I think there are other fruits of the Spirit, but these are these, these, the presence of these are evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is there, then you and I, to some measure, have these qualities. In John chapter 16, Jesus says that no one can take joy from us. When he tells the disciples, before he goes to the cross, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. So there is joy that you and I experience now, and then there's that joy on steroids, that that joy excessive joy that you and I will experience when we get to be with our master in heaven. No matter what the circumstances that we encounter, no one can take that joy away. Finally, Psalm 51, David reminds us that joy rests in things from God, such as salvation and righteousness. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So why does this matter? This matters because while we wait for Christ to come again, we don't have to despair. We don't have to despair. God has given us joy that no one can take away, and no matter what happens in this dark world, we can experience light, hope, and joy. We experience difficulties differently than the world, differently than those that have not got the hope of Christ. We have the light of Christ even in the darkest moments. So joy is essential it's part, essentially a part of the Christian experience. You and I can't go far without it. We need it. And like, the, and like the shepherds, we anticipate the coming of our Savior. This Christmas, we don't have to fake joy, even if we don't necessarily feel it. The good news is that we have access to joy, even when we're not feeling it. What we do need to go do is go and search for it, embrace it, and choose it. What's one time you remember feeling joyful? For me, the first thing that comes to mind is the birth of each of our kids. I didn't go through the pain of childbearing, but I did get the joy of of having children. It was goodness I'd never really known before, and a bunch of intense emotions mixed together. Amazement at the miracle and wonder of what I was holding, fact, Diane and I had kind of agreed when we went to do the test about whether she was pregnant or not, that we would open the envelope together. And I went into the lab to get this envelope. And the the Russian lab technician, I know that isn't important, but she gave me the envelope and she smiled and she said, congratulations. (laughs) I skipped across the road to the pickup and Diane, when I opened the door, she said, I thought we were going to look at it together. I says, I didn't open it. I couldn't contain the joy, right? You can't, you can't contain the joy as much as you'd like to. Secondly, other than amazement, gratitude, that something so precious was mine. Actually, a week in, I called my dad, called my parents, and I said I learned three things in a week. Number one, I'm a step closer to knowing what it cost God to send his son because I'd die for my son today. Number one. Number two, I want to thank you... Because a weekend, I already realized how much work this is and how much sacrifice you made for me. And number three, yeah, sin nature is born right out of the gate. (laughs) All they do is cry. So, yeah, you learn lessons, right? Amazement, gratitude, happiness that something I'd wanted actually finally arrived. What a a blessing. When we receive something that causes true joy, we want to tell people it bubbles out. It overflows like a birth announcement, just like the birth announcement of Jesus that the shepherds told, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born to you. He is Messiah, Christ the Lord. While God didn't just announce his birth, he said this joy was going to spread further. It wouldn't just cause a passing smile and oh good for them moment. This baby was going to bring joy to all people. Yeah, there's that word, all means all. He came for all different cultures, career paths, levels of intelligence, economic status, levels of anxiety, all types of sinners. He came for everyone. And Jesus' birth announcement was unique because it wasn't just for the proud dad. And that's still true. This joy is for you and me, for all of us. And then God went out of his way at Christ's birth. He went all out. He didn't just send the angels. He put a star in the sky, a special star. And it appeared as a sign for any or all who were watching. And some guys known as wise men noticed it and came looking for the baby that it had announced. And Scripture doesn't tell us, but I'm guessing that Daniel and his buddies that got exiled during exile carried that message and that hope with them And that influence led these wise men to read scripture and put two and two together. And the wise men, they find him two years later. Almost two years later, they come and they find this promised joy. And they did other things. They did other things as well. They observed, they saw the signs, and they noticed what God was doing. They searched, they asked questions, and they began to follow the star. They valued what was there, so they took the time and the money to go look, and they even bought expensive gifts that God was going to use later to help Joseph take his family out of trouble to Egypt. And then they worshipped when they found him. Their intent was truly from a heart to know God. This morning I want to tell you that if you're searching for joy, then you're searching for Jesus. If you're searching for joy, you're searching for Jesus. Because if you're looking elsewhere, you're coming up empty. When the wise men found Jesus, they exploded with joy. Their joy wasn't from the pursuit of their own pleasure. It was from finding the one they were looking for. And they'd put a lot of effort and expense into this search without knowing whether they were going to actually find what they were looking for. But they found him and they got the payoff that we would all love to have happiness, pleasure, and awe. And I'm guessing they were smiling for weeks after. They found joy. We sing this famous hymn, Joy to the World. Uh, We probably know it by heart. We sing it every Christmas, but we don't always feel joyful. Our circumstances and situations can rob us of joy. It's kind of like Peter looking at the waves. We take our eyes off Christ, we look at our challenges, and suddenly we're groundproofing. A difficult family situation, a challenging health diagnosis, a crushing job loss, all of these and more can rob us of our joy if we let them. After Jesus rose from the dead, he told his disciples that he was going to leave them for a while, and they didn't understand what he was saying or where he was going. You see, their paradigm of him, their expectations of him were skewed. They wanted wanted him to free Israel from Roman tyranny. How could he then be going? But he came to free them and us from a greater tyrant than Rome, sin and death. And we're often, like the disciples, longing to find our joy in our agenda and our plans instead of in him. So Jesus brings great joy. This is why it's significant that when Jesus was born, it was announced as good news that brings great joy. In fact, we're told that Jesus himself rejoiced and gave thanks to God the Father when he began to announce the kingdom of God. And he even taught his followers the same joy, saying this When people reject and persecute you for following me, rejoice. Be very glad, because your reward is great in heaven. And then after his death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to go out and announce the good news that he was the risen king. And so they did. And amazing, that first century church that was basically a bunch of house churches spread across the then known world, those early Christian communities were known for being full of joy even when persecuted. And as we read this morning, the Apostle Paul, even while sitting in prison, could say that he'd chosen joy even if he were to be executed. In fact, he called it the joy of faith or the joy in the Lord. He believed that it was a gift of God's Spirit, a sign of Jesus' presence in the midst of hardship. When you and I believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the darkness of circumstances. That doesn't mean, by the way, that you ignore or suppress your sorrow. That's not healthy or necessary. Yeah, there are days that I feel like a healthy cry would be good. Mm -hmm. we're not talking about denial. Paul often expressed his grief about a missing loved one, losing friends, or even his own freedom. He called it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. (laughs) I hate to say the word juxtaposition, but there it is. Full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. As he acknowledged his pain, he also made a choice to trust Jesus that his loss wouldn't be the final word. It's not the final word. That's very different from the trite advice that some people give, turn that frown upside down. In other words, pretend. Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' life and love. So I have some concluding questions before I ask Joel and Stanley to come up with me to see if there's some uh, Q&A. This third week of Advent... Maybe we should ask ourselves these questions as we search for more joy. Number one, are you noticing the signs in your own life this year? Can you see what's shifting? Do you wonder what new things may be happening? Are you paying attention? We talked earlier before Sunday school about divine serendipity and about God moving and, 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 and having our eyes open to what he's doing. Don't let human logic tempt you to believe, or to, sorry, don't let human logic tempt you to leave behind the signs of God's work in your life. Practice the habit of seeing God in things. Secondly, are you actively searching for God? Are you asking for spiritual guidance from someone? Are you praying? Are you asking God questions? By the way, God is big enough to handle your questions, even your tough questions. God knows what you're thinking, whether you express it or not, so you may as well tell him what you're thinking and feeling. You may, in fact, you look at David's life, and it's hard to imagine that God would call him a man after God's own heart. But I think the reason is because David was brutally honest and transparent with God. He did not hold back. Are you praying and asking God questions? Are you following him in small daily ways? In the little things of life. You see, the big things, actually success in the big things depends on faithfulness in the small things. At least I think so. Are you reading your Bible? Or is it gathering dust? Number three. I only have four, by the way. Do you understand who Jesus really is? Do you know his value? Do you understand who God says he is? Do you know what the scriptures teach about him? In other words, I'm asking us if we're focusing on Jesus as much as we should. Are we learning? You know, I had one of those moments in Sunday school, in adult Sunday school, that a verse came up and I suddenly I'm going, how come I have not seen this before? I've read this so many times. There's always new stuff to learn. And, and you don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. Newsflash. There's always more to learn. You can draw closer and closer to Jesus. Finally, do you have a heart that wants God? Is your faith lukewarm? <clears throat> Are you offering Him your gifts, your best, your time and talents? And are you looking for his face like Moses did instead of just looking for his hands? See, my, my, my prayers, if I'm not careful, tend to be gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm looking for his hands. I need to look for his face. You and I are all annoyed if somebody just looks at us for our hands and doesn't want to make eye contact with our face. I, I, we want to be seen. Whoops. Don't move. Are you looking for God's face? And what does he say? You will find me if you look for me with your whole heart. He's not hiding. He can be found. And when you find him, your joy will increase. So has your year been devoid of the normal sources of joy in your life? Have you been propping yourself up with comforts, pleasures, and plans that you hoped would satisfy you, only to find them unfulfilled? There's an overflow of joy available in Jesus. That Sunday school answer is still the answer. It's still Jesus. Let's pray and then I'll ask Stanley and Joel to come up. Father, there are days and moments where our circumstances get the better of us and we we look at the waves like Peter. And we need to remind ourselves, we need to remind each other not to live in denial but to recognize that these circumstances are not the last word. And to recognize that our joy is grounded in Christ and what he has, is, and will do for each of us because he is faithful. And so, Lord, again this morning we ask that you would forgive us where we have forgotten that, where we have looked to the wrong sources for joy, where we have ignored you, And Lord, we ask that you would draw us closer to you each and every day by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'll go over there. I can read them. You guys can answer them. A case could be made that seeing people come into a new relationship with Jesus brings the greatest joy. How can this become a greater focus of our congregation in the year ahead? That is a great question. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> okay, could you repeat? I'll read it again. Yeah. That's a great question. A case could be made that seeing people come into a new relationship with Jesus brings the greatest joy. Amen. 100%. How can this become a greater focus of our congregation in the year ahead. Hmm. Okay, um, hold the mic up. I.
1: I believe that. One thing we must do as a church family is understand what gives heaven joy. In one of the parables, Jesus said, "There is joy in heaven." over a sinner that repents. And so if we know that this gives heaven so much joy and also gives us joy, I believe in the new year we we should have soul winning as one of our main focus for the year. And by this we can pray, strategize, and you know, Sometimes we we, we may want to win souls, but don't know how to go about it. There's a prayer I used to pray years back. And the prayer is, God, give me opportunities to share the gospel. Give me opportunities to spread your love. And help me recognize an opportunity when I see it. And so that's why I said primarily the church should pray give us these opportunities help us recognize these opportunities then give us the wisdom to work at these opportunities Then, i believe when we get these three things right then we can we can keep hunting for souls and heaven will be happy
0: okay. i think what stanley is saying is that evangelism should become a priority of the church corporately and also of us as believers individually and we need, to, we need to work at that together. Yeah. Are you going to say something?
2: No? Oh, you wrapped it up.
0: Quickly. Okay. Okay. Next question. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? The verse, delight yourself in the Lord. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? What does that look like? When do you say when a believer who has Jesus in their life struggles, what do you say when a believer who has Jesus in their life Struggles with depression or real tough anxiety. Okay, let's go back and split this up. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord or to delight yourself in the Lord?
1: You want to say something?
2: Yeah, I. Well, Stanley. (laughs) I'm going to get emotional. That's okay. (laughs) Sorry. The last three months have been very stressful for me. And I've got to spend a lot of time with this guy, mostly taking him to hockey games. And this guy is a savage fan. He's yelling at the refs and the players. It's just <laughs> all, it's awesome to see. He saw his first hockey game, like, probably two months ago, and he is, like, the diehard fan, and it's just awesome. But picking him up every day, seeing him at church, he is just so full of joy because he is so connected to God. And so going back to the last question, I was going to say, the world wants us focused on our phones and tied up in our own world, and where two or more are gathered, Mm -hmm. right, we want to, the more we do as a congregation or have events together, Stanley, I don't know, like, what I, what I was thinking, if you ever watched the Care Bear cartoon years ago, they did the Care Bear stare, where their chest exploded (laughs) and they beat up the bad guy, whatever that guy's name was. I just, when I'm with Stanley, I just feel like that's a Care Bear stare. The Holy Spirit is just beaming out of his chest. Mm -hmm. It's just encouraging me so much. So it's the answer to that, like whatever, so you can answer how you get that, but you are the, you are the example.
1: Okay. Go. Okay, I, I, I told some guys yesterday in school that, um, because they asked me this question, why, we've never seen you sad before, What's, what is it with this joy? And I, I said only one thing. I understand what the love of God is. And I've come to a place in life where nobody's opinion of me can affect what I think about how God loves me. I've come to realize that it is not easy to live royalty and die the death of a criminal that is one thing that is priceless Jesus left being God and became man just to make sure I don't die the death that I deserve that is the biggest for me and so he didn't consider my flaws he didn't consider how stupid I I could be He didn't consider how ungrateful I am. He just loved me beyond boundaries. Mm. And this consciousness is what I have kept in my heart constantly. So what you think of me, what you say to me, does not get to me because how you feel about me cannot change how God loves me. Mm. And so I say that joy is gotten from the understanding of what Jesus did for us in love. He died for us. And I, while I was coming up, a scripture got into my heart. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. The Bible says, with joy shall ye draw waters out of the well of salvation. And so, you cannot get anything from God in a sorrowful heart. And please understand that being in Christ is not an absence of crisis. Being in Christ is walking through crisis with confidence. The confidence is he loves me. Mm -hmm. And because he loves me, I won't be swallowed in this crisis. So when this confidence is in you, you are ready for the storm. Because you know that the storm can't swallow you. So, joy that Jesus loves you and died for you is the whole thing.
0: How does it feel to be a prophet standing between two weeping prophets?
2: Can you imagine some professor gave him a B on one of his final exams this semester? (laughs) After that, I want to talk to that professor.
0: (laughs) Take a number. Uh, The second part of this question, what do you say when a believer... uh, has Jesus in their life and yet struggles with depression or real tough anxiety. That's a that's a massive question. I'm only going to answer it this way and it doesn't apply to everything. I remember a student that dressed gothic, everything was dark, everything was 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 dark. And one day the doctors got his meds right. And I saw a new person. What I'm saying is that that I, I, I refuse to over-spiritualize everything and say that, 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 that there aren't other factors. That's, that, so so let's, let's not go there and say, well, if you're a Christian, you should have a smile on all of the time. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, and and it's, it's, it's unfair and it's unhelpful to people that are struggling in that to, to respond that way. Um, so, enough said. This, this, that's, a, that's a big question. Okay, uh, one more here. Boy, that will be okay. In regards to joy, how do we deal with the fact that our feelings are somewhat controlled by hormones, for example, serotonin and dopamine? I'm not a doctor. I vividly recall how after a period of depression my doctor corrected my medication dose. I knew it was working when one day I did not feel sad. I felt neutral. This sort of ordinary content feeling felt nearly euphoric. Oh, well, I think you whoever sent this text just help me, I I think, answer what I just said. Um, it's it's important to, to be holistic and, and look at the thing that way. We got one more. Hmm. Is the fruit of the spirit chronological? Love leads to joy to peace. Is it chronological? I
1: would say yes. Um, but the the, the answer will be yes and no, right? Because all of them is a complete package from God. It's like opening a gift, a present that was given to you, and inside the present you find a gold, a silver, like it is all in one. And so they they may display at different times, but they are all in one. And I want to say something just to add to those two questions, those two that went before us. I, I want us to have one understanding about who we are. We, yes, we are physical bodies as, as, as believers in Christ, but basically we have a life that God is very, very involved in. I have I've got, come to church sometimes with very heavy pain in my heart over news I receive. And one thing I keep in my head is no matter how bad the situation is, one, they, they, they did not happen behind God. Like nothing takes God unaware. Now, if He is allowing me to face it, it is because there is something He is working on that will come out of it. So I want you to keep Jesus at the center of everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are hormones that work for this. There are, but understand that your body was created by him. And he can speak to your body and your body listens to him. And that is the same thing I want you to have. In I think in therapy, uh, CBT therapy, they, one of the things they say is your words. No matter how depressed or emotional you can be, remind yourself that Jesus' love for you is unconditional. It doesn't matter what you have done, and nothing will ever change that love. And once you keep understanding that love and keep telling yourself, I am loved, uh, we tend to forget that the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. So you cannot love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. You must love yourself yourself. It is the amount of love you have for yourself that you share to your neighbor. And how do you know, how do you love yourself is by knowing that you are loved by Jesus. Mm-hmm. So remind yourself every morning that I am, I am a loved believer. And because he loves me, I will go through everything. Because he's with me.
0: Okay, we're going to step out of, out of our plan. Just stay here. We're going to pray for Stanley before he leaves. Oh, Okay. It's a cultural thing. Heavenly Father, we pray for Stanley as he goes uh, back home to Africa to be reunited with his wife, uh, that he spends two weeks there. I pray that you would bring him there and back safely. I pray that this reunion would also bring great joy to him and his family, to his wife. I pray that you would continue to work in him and through him. Bless him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise Band, why don't you come up?
1: Thank you, EFC family. (laughs)